You're listening to the Murder Speaks Podcast, the show that spills the tea about true crime. Here's your host, Wendy Hinbest. Hey, welcome back to Murder Speaks. Hope everyone's having a great week. So today's real crime story is about 29-year-old Rachel Racklin of Westmont, Illinois. She moved from Chicago to Westmont for a teaching job. During the summer of 1993, Rachel responded to an advertisement placed in the newspaper seeking a female roommate. It was a one-bedroom apartment. She moved into the apartment in the middle of July. On August 17, 1993, about a month after moving in, Rachel told her best friend that she was unhappy with the living arrangements and wanted to move out. Rachel was an elementary school teacher at Schaefer Elementary School. The evening of Thursday, August 19, 1993, she called some friends and then went to bed. Her mother kept calling her but couldn't reach her. Her room was stripped and all of her furniture and clothes were missing and her car was missing. She didn't tell anybody she was moving. The police talked to her roommate, Donald Kawa. He said he talked to her the Wednesday night. He didn't speak to her at all on Thursday, and her bedroom door was still closed all day Friday, but he didn't think anything of it. He went to his girlfriend's house for the weekend, and when he returned Monday morning, Rachel was gone. He tells police he barely knew Rachel. Donald Kawa grew up in Westmont and lived in the apartment for four months. He was honorably discharged from the army. He needed help paying for the rent, so he put an ad in the paper earlier in the summer. The police talked to neighbors. A resident in the complex told police that she saw Rachel removing empty boxes from her car on August 19, 1993. Rachel told her she was moving out. The police talked to Donald's girlfriend, and she confirmed spending the weekend with Donald. The police requested Rachel's cell phone records. Her phone was turned off. The phone company confirmed her landline was cut off late Sunday. She made three calls the night she went missing. One was to Vince Adamus, her ex-boyfriend. She left him a voice message. She called her best friend, who says there was no indication that anything was wrong that night. The last call she made was to an ex-boyfriend named Brett Berwick. Rachel dated him years ago when she was living in Chicago. He has no criminal record, just some unpaid parking tickets. The police questioned him. He tells police when he and Rachel split up, they remained friends. He tells police that he saw her a week before she went missing. She left a message on his machine about something weird happening at school. The police go and speak to the school principal. She confirmed Rachel was there on Thursday, but didn't come in the next day and didn't call. On August 24th, Rachel's mother went to Rachel's apartment with the police and spoke to Donald Kawa. He tells them that Rachel moved out and took all of her stuff with her and that he saw her car in the apartment complex late on the night of August 20th. Posters were put up around Westmont. A missing persons ad was put in the paper. Then a woman calls in and says Rachel was spotted in a bar. Unfortunately, it wasn't her. 
The police search her room. They find an invitation from somebody named Darian Beloy. Nobody close to Rachel was familiar with that name. The police drove to Darian's home. He says he was involved with Rachel and they broke up a couple of months before she went missing. There was no indication that he was involved with Rachel's disappearance. A resident across the street saw the maintenance man going through household items in a dumpster. He began working at the complex shortly before Rachel moved in. The police questioned him. He tells police he found her stuff in the dumpster. On August 20th, he saw Rachel's roommate, Donald Kawa, carrying garbage and other items to the garbage area near the apartment complex between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. And late on August 21st, he saw Donald put black plastic garbage bags into the garbage at the apartment complex. The maintenance man recovered a mattress, a television, a watch, a pearl ring with diamonds, a word processor, and a telephone. Rachel's parents confirmed those things belonged to Rachel. Two weeks after she went missing, the police called the airport and asked them to search their lot. And they found Rachel's car. They noticed something was weighing down the back of the car and there was a bad odor. They opened the trunk, and the trunk was filled with dirt, and they noticed a bit of a white sock sticking out. Apparently, the car has been there since August 20th. They sifted through the dirt, and it was a body wrapped in a sheet. It was Rachel's body. Her head was wrapped in a large white garbage bag. The medical examiner found three bullet holes in her skull. There was no signs of sexual assault and no signs of a struggle. Dental records confirmed it was Rachel. Forensic experts found a man's watch with the hair attached to it wedged between the car seat in the car. Hey, don't forget to check out crystalkiss.com for my murder merch. Cool designs for all of you true crime addicts. If you live in the U.S. and buy three or more items, you'll get free shipping. Use discount code MURDER15, that's MURDER15, and save 15% on your entire order. Check out my YouTube channel, Murder Speaks. The link is in the show notes. Randy Caruso owned and operated a limousine service. Friday, August 20th, he picked up a guy from the airport named John Noble. And he had no luggage. He asked to get dropped off at an address close to Rachel's apartment. He told Randy Caruso that he wasn't from Westmont and he was visiting friends. However, he had a coupon that would only be placed in a Westmont paper. The hair attached to the watch belonged to Rachel. A neighbor reported that she saw Rachel arguing with a man outside her apartment a few days before she went missing, and he fit Brett Burick's description. The police questioned him again, and he tells police that he was working that night at Lakeshore Hospital, and his alibi was verified. He tells police that she was dating a phone installation guy who installed her phone and he spent the night with her one time. So the police question him. He tells police that he was intimate with her about five weeks before she went missing. Two days after Rachel's body was found, the police get a warrant to search her apartment. Her roommate wasn't home. They spray luminol around Rachel's room. When luminol gets in contact with blood, there's a glow and there was blood all over the carpet in Rachel's room. And it appeared the carpet was treated with a heavy cleaner. And they found white garbage bags similar to the one found over Rachel's head. 
Donald's shoes had dirt similar to the dirt found in Rachel's trunk. He was kept under close surveillance. Donald's girlfriend picked out the watch they found in the car, which is the watch she gave him for Christmas. And several checks signed by Rachel had cleared. They were used to pay utilities. The thing is, she was already dead when they were signed. They took the checks and a written statement from Donald Kawa to a forensic handwriting analyst. And it appears the checks were signed by the same person who wrote the signed statement, which was Donald Kawa. The limousine positively identified Donald Kawa as the guy he picked up at the airport. Donald Kawa was arrested. He owned a small caliber gun. He shot Rachel three times while she was sleeping. Then he put a white bag over her head. The police have a theory of what happened. Donald Kawa waited until Rachel was vulnerable, and that's when she was asleep. He went into her room while she was sleeping and shot her in the head three times. Then he put a white bag over her head and put her in the trunk of her car. Then he stopped to fill the trunk with dirt. Then he drove to the airport and left the car at the airport. Then took a limousine back to his area. Then he got rid of her stuff and cleaned the carpet. Donald Kawa was found guilty of first degree murder and armed robbery. He was sentenced to 100 years in prison. He will be eligible for parole in 2045 when he turns 76. Well, this is so disturbing. I mean, this poor girl, she moved from Chicago because she got this job she was so excited about. And she answered an ad not knowing that this guy was like a predator. She didn't even see it coming. He even used her money to pay for the ad that he placed. And for everybody who knew her, I'm very sorry for your loss. Donald Kawa is exactly where he needs to be. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Murder Speaks. I hope you enjoyed it. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My socials are in the description. Check out my YouTube channel, Murder Speaks, for more real crime stories. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Join me again on Murder Speaks. Thanks. Bye.